0: Awesome. Well good morning. How you doing? Do I need I'm good, thank you. Thanks for asking. Wow, that does not happen. That is awesome. There's a there's a few things I've never seen before. That's one of them. I can't say I've ever seen announcements like that in my life. Do You want to know why you don't know what's happening? Because that was spontaneous. No, they came and asked me, I mean you saw that. I thought it was last night, but he said, How are you doing this morning? And I I knew that our clocks were going forward, but I didn't realize. But it is a real, real privilege to come and hang out with you this weekend. And uh, these are big moments. And uh, I tell you what, we love to celebrate the big moments. But in reality, the big moments are celebrated because of the faithfulness of the small moments. And, And I guess in a big moment like this, and it is a celebration of the goodness of God, let us not forget it's the faithfulness of God that got us here, but it's also the faithfulness of people in the small decisions. Somebody once told me, and I agree with this, that success in the kingdom is a succession of yeses to the king. And I want to honor. I know that we did some honoring, you guys did, and let me just say, if you're uncomfortable with honor, I think you're you're going to have some problems, because I believe God honors a people who know how to honor And there's a difference between honoring and glorifying. Would you agree? Jesus Christ is glorified. It's about Him and God and all that they've done. But also it's good to honor those who have said yes to the King and continue to say yes to the King. And so I do want to just say this. I don't think we celebrate longevity enough in the kingdom of God. If we're honest, we love the big. We love the quick. We love those who do something quickly, suddenly are writing all the books of how quick they did what they did. Meanwhile, God did it. We honor and we, we kind of tell how good they are. But I want to tell you this. I don't think anything more of a testimony to the Father than we're still there doing that which God's called us to do day in and day out. I think that is a testimony to the goodness and the faithfulness of God and the reality that this is not something we're trying, this is something God spoke, and we believe it, and we're there till Jesus tells us otherwise. So I, in saying that, would you mind just standing, you two? And I know that they feel embarrassed, and I love that. Of course I do too, but I, I do, I know you guys. But could, would you mind all, if this is your home church, would you stand up and let's just give them a cheer for what it is. Thank God. Love it. We're cheering for you, man. We're cheering with you. It's awesome. 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 Thank you all so very, very, very much. Thank you all for shaping us and
1: helping us grow in God. Thank you so much just for being yeah,
0: want to down. Thanks, yes. Stop turning it away from me, please. Gee. Anyway, now that we've honored each other, let's get in. No, no, I'm joking. But I do also want to honor this church. For well, Some of you who perhaps from the very outset have been part of this. Is there anyone here who was starting out with these guys, or have you all left? Have they all left? <laughs> Just couldn't handle that. Is there anyone else? Is there anyone who's... Uh, some aren't here. I heard the rugby's in Vancouver. That's brilliant. But anyway, but... Uh, I do want to commend all of you for your journey in this. This doesn't happen alone. This is a God thing. It doesn't happen alone. It's not just some couple coming up with some concept. And all of you who've stayed the course, joined the journey, we are incredibly grateful to God for this, honestly. And as a team, we are grateful this is our inheritance. We, uh, they hadn't responded to the will of God and didn't come here. We would not probably have met most of you or any of you. We wouldn't have had this great, I don't know, and if you believe theologically different, that's fine. I I don't want to get into the theology of it. I'm just saying thank you. And for the friendship and the partnership and the reality, the nations have been touched by this church, which is amazing when you think you're just on this little island. But God has used this people, you guys, and he continues to. And the good news is this. this There's a celebration of what was, but the good news, honestly, without a cliche, we still believe. We have to believe. There's a whole lot more. The best is yet to come. And so I'm privileged to be here. Thank you for involving us. Thank you for the friendship. Thank you for including us. Thank you for being good to our family, and my dad, my brothers, and me. Uh, Thank you for getting involved with NCMI and getting on this team and traveling the world. We really appreciate all those things. And I think this church is walking in the bigness of the intent of God because of that. But I want to thank you. And I I know some of the journey. Not all of it. I think Mike doesn't tell me everything. Praise the Lord. But... (laughs) Debs does, so, (laughs) but um, I think just some of the times we came up here in the early days of pioneering this church and planting and just the stuff that you guys were walking through and you stayed the course. Many times try to close the door and some people even said, close the door, shut it down, it's not working. Isn't that amazing, not working? What does that mean? Well, it's just not growing like we wanted it. Well, look, none of us would have been impacted if we listened to Some clever ideas of some men. What I want to say to you, friends, is if God does something, God's going to do it. And while He looks for people, and He will always include people, God's purposes and plans stand forever. And that gives us confidence for this next season, the next 20 years or whatever it is. And so I'd like to just, if I can, this morning, and I'm so excited to be ordaining ways in a moment, and I want to tell you, there's a good young man there. He is a good young man. I don't know him very well, but I know him, and I've connected with him. And every time I've come here, I said, Mike, when are you going to ordain this dude? And finally, I got a text saying, would you please come ordain him? I said, of course, I'd love to. It would be a privilege. So it's a real delight, and I think it's a good thing for this church, and we'll chat about that in a moment. But I I wouldn't mind if I can. And Mike said, go for it. So I'm going to go for it, that's okay. And uh, I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles, if you wouldn't mind, to the book of Isaiah, or Isaiah, or whatever you say here in Canada. If you don't say Isaiah, you're wrong. <laughs> and that's from an American to a Canadian. Okay, let's move on. I, I, I don't believe anything this morning, or well, probably the things i share this morning are not going to necessarily be new, and I, and I make no apologies for that. I, I think we need to prioritize and give priority to certain things as we continue to contend for the next season in God. It's not just by default that we actually end up where we end up. And I understand the God factor, and I understand without God we have nothing. But in the walking through the purposes of God, He includes people, He includes us, He uses His church. And there is a response from us to the God factor. And and what I have found is that in the busyness and even in momentum, and this church has momentum, and 20 years has caused you guys to even come into a year like this with more momentum. But if you don't actually prioritize what's important with momentum, we could lose our way with momentum and actually pursue the wrong things. And I do think, friends, if I can be honest, that the church is incredibly busy in this season, doing a whole lot of good stuff, but it's not necessarily the stuff God's intended the church to do. And so this morning, I just want to highlight some things again to remind you that perhaps part of these things, they got you to where you are in God, and they will keep you going forward in this next season for where God has you. And everyone in this room can respond in your way to the individual message God's speaking to us as a personal God who's included us to be part of this next season in this local church. But as I've studied scripture, I've always used to believe, and again, I still believe to some degree, but I I always used to believe that God gives cities to churches. Always used to believe that we can claim our city, and we can cry out for our city, And, and, and biblically I can see that, but I also believe that's not fully theologically right. The more I study Scripture, and please hear me, friends. I'm not downplaying the need to pray for our city and claim our cities. But as I read through Scripture, it's actually the opposite. God doesn't give cities to churches. God gives churches to cities to impact them for the gospel. This is not a cliche or a play on words. This is so strategic and vital for this church, the church, To understand, those people out there, this island, and beyond this island, and Canada, and the nations, they don't exist for the church. They're not here for us. God loved this region so much, that obviously he sent his son Jesus Christ for all people. Every single person, Jesus came for them. There's no tribe, there's no tongue, there's no other religion, there's no those people we despise. He does not. He came for all of them. And in your mandate and heart, it must include all nations, tribes, and tongues. Otherwise, it's not the true gospel, and Jesus hasn't come for those people, but He did according to Scripture. It's God's desire that all men will be saved. If it be his desire, then it ought to be ours. Even us in America. Just extend a little olive branch to you quickly, if you don't mind. We love you, and I hope you love us. And if you don't, we're stuck together anyway, so come on. But if we understand that we can claim our cities, pray for our cities... But God loved this region so much that He put this church with many other churches as candlesticks here to impact them for the gospel. Friends, that changes everything. And can I suggest, it even changes how we do ministry and how we are the church rather than we come to church and wait for everyone to fill this building. This next season requires of us to understand God has put us here to impact them and reach them so Jesus can come back shortly. And everybody's got to be living for that. And that's why this church was birthed 20-something years ago. Not by some dream some guy had some way. God said, I want to put another candlestick here. I want to reach these people. And friends, there has been influences. Some have come and some have gone. But the influence and the impact has always been for the king and for his kingdom. In Isaiah 41, and I know you know this text, I'm sure. I just want to highlight a few of these just to kick us off and then a few priorities and we're done. Is that okay? If it's not, I'm sorry. It's going to have to happen anyway. <laughs> Isaiah 41, just verse 17. Let's read. It says this. It says, the poor and the needy search for water. But there is none. Can you imagine that? The poor and needy are searching for water. They're thirsty, but they can't find it. There's none. Their tongues are parched with thirst, but I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I love that God will not forsake. There's a crying out, there's a thirst, and God says, I, the God of Israel, I will answer them. I will not forget them or forsake them. And and then verse 18, I will make rivers flow on barren heights. And springs within the valleys, and I'll put in the desert into pools of water, and the parched grounds into... Friends, what he's saying is where there's nothing, I'm going to create something. Where there is desert. How many of you have been to a desert, and you don't understand desert on this island? Let me tell you. My goodness, you need some desert here. Sorry. I just need some sun to believe you have sun. But anyway, it's very green and beautiful, but not deserty. Come to my country, I'll show you some desert. Go to Australia, you'll see some desert. Go to Africa. Now the point is, that don't go there to go look. I'm just, trust me. But where there is desert, God says, I'm going to create. Thank you. Where there is nothing, I'm going to create something. But I'm not going to create it to just say, hey, look at me. I'm going to create it because there's thirsty. People are hungry. People are looking. And I'm going to not forsake these people. Basically what he's saying is, I'm going to do the impossible. Do you know this? Is impossible. This is the delightful hand of God. It's not just good people. It's impossible. Taking people from all over the world, throwing them together for the purposes of God. Wow. Let me just say to you, Oceanside, 20 years, well done. Can I suggest the next 20 years, you're going to have to continue to take huge steps of faith to continue to fulfill that which God's called you to do. It ain't done, and it's not based on what's been done. And you can look back and say, praise God. That gives you courage, but your future's not in what's done. It's the next 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, or whatever it takes for Jesus to come back. And I'm not trying to hype you this morning. This I tell you, great faith in a great God, because this God wants to continue to do some impossible stuff through this congregation. You there? Yeah. Let, let me just... Bring it, let's walk the elephant out of the room. There's many going to walk out this morning. You will always, let me prophesy, you will always feel significant financial pressure doing the will of God. Guilty, yes. You're okay now? What does that mean? It's not based on a budget of what you have in your bank account as a church or individuals that can determine what God has called you to. You are going to always live with, we don't have enough. So the question must continue to move as individuals. Please hear this, friends, because this church is made up of individuals. It's got to move from, can we afford it, to did God say it? Because I'm telling you, you can't afford it. Right, 20 years, you couldn't afford to where you are today. The next 20, the economy, with all due respects, probably not going to get better, even under Donald Trump. Just saying. But, And I know this isn't going to get I love you, Donald, my man. Your money is not to determine the call of God on your life. Oceanside put you for them, not them for you. Therefore, God, did you say it, not can we afford it? Which isn't just to hype us, it's also to say, you better be hearing God. Because if you didn't say it, you can't afford it. I believe in this season, you're going to have to be, please hear this, way more passionate about what you stand for than what you are against. Here's another little elephant, let's walk it out. My nation has just been through the most divisive political election. And you know well about it, because you're part of the divisiveness in my nation. And I have been shocked as a follower of Jesus and as a leader in the church, how we have social, on social media gone after the church and put our opinion. Can I, can, can I get in trouble for a moment? You might never have me back 20 years. I might see you again. But here's what I want to say. If you have an opinion on the election, keep it to yourself. Well, who do you think you are? Just a man who's understood. We have a mandate in God. And based on the man who sits in the White House does not determine the purpose and plan of God. I just choose to say, he's our president. I will back him and pray for him. But I'm so seeing the church divide and Canada against America. And my friends, the church has bought into the game of the devil at the expense of being a blessing to these people around us. It. It's true. It's true. they have said to me, why don't you comment on your opinion on the, I've not once, and I've wanted to, because of the ignorance of people who don't live in my country commenting on it. Sorry, I'm just trying to get that out there. Stop. You know what the church needs to do? We need to stand up in this season and talk about what we stand for. You know, Jesus didn't. Jesus didn't. Just read the Gospels. Jesus didn't arrive and say, I'm anti that, I'm against that, I'm against that, I'm against that. Now, who wants to follow me? All the Pharisees would have run for him. Do you know what he said? I'm for this, I'm for this. And the Pharisees ran from him, and the religious people ran from him. But the sinners came running to him because he stood for something they could die for. We're too busy fighting over secondary issues at the expense of the truths worth dying for. This season, let's die for things that matter, that can bring people to Christ and bring people for Christ, and we can see the church advance, and the world can fight and wrestle and argue, and we're going to just keep our opinions to ourselves and tell them about our great King. Not because we are dumb, because we know we have a mandate that's beyond an election. America is a good country. God's got a good plan still through, not the government, through the church in America. And you better be praying. It happens there because it's got influence on this region and the nations of the world. Like us or not, we're in this together. Brothers and sisters in Christ. You've got to keep choosing, Mike, and as a team, as an eldership, and as a church. You're going to have to keep choosing who you're going to please. Whether we're going to please insiders or reach outsiders. I can't see us doing both. If we're trying to please the people in this room, we're not going to reach outsiders out there. Do you understand their phrase? So here's what I want to suggest. If we please him, then possibly we could do both. But so many churches are about keeping the people pleased and happy. Guys, remember this? God's gift to this region, not they gift to us. And listen, I'm challenged by everything I'm saying this morning. You realize that, right? I feel just like you right now. Probably a little worse because I'm saying it. I also want to say, which I know has been the context for many churches today, you're going to constantly be tempted to copy the success of the church world at the expense of the very core God has given this church. If I can, and I don't have the power to, but if I can, I'm taking the pressure off. Don't be like everyone else. Be who God's called you to be. Be free. Because you know what? You know what the opposite of authentic is imitation. That's a nice word of saying fake. I believe people's hearts are good, but they're trying to be like everyone else. And churches are trying to be friends. I believe there are general words for everyone. And then there's specific things God's spoken. And when you begin to generalize and become like the next church down the road, and again, we're not trying to be different, just be you. And God can honor authenticity. And that's the cry of the people out there. How can we find authenticity in the church? You're fake. Your heart's are good, but you're fake. You're trying to act like someone. Be like, i got three sons, honestly. My three boys, the biggest insult to me is when they're trying to act like other kids. Trying to be someone else's kids. I'm their dad. Be free, boys. To be who God made you to be. And we got to keep the church in that place too, friends. This church should not be even like Trinity in Victoria, who's in partnership with NCMI. You are free to be who God called you to be. Are you who God called you to be? And if you're not, you're fake. That's why 20 years, I hopefully can come back after calling you fake. <laughs> Do you have the pressure on me to be Brian Houston or Bill Johnson or name your dude? Dude. And while I'm grateful for those incredibly anointed men of God, I'm not them. And if I try to be like them, I'm no longer true to who God called me to be. And I want to shake it off me because there's nothing more attractive to God and to sinners than humility and authenticity. Stay true to the call, Oceanside. I'm not angry. You realize this. I'm just mad at the devil and I'm so tired of the church playing some fake religion. Buying into a liar, a book tells you what success is. At the very expense of God's divine intention of handpicking you to be here, to be a blessing and to reach these wonderful people that are lost in this region and in this nation, the nations of the world. Stop being fake and let's be real and authentic and celebrate what God's doing next door in another church. Celebrate what He's doing on this island and in our nations and even what He's doing in the U.S. and across the globe. But thank God for what He's doing with you and stay true to it in the next 20 years. Verse 19, let's get back to the Bible before I get in more trouble. Is this okay, Mike? You're going to have me back never again?
2: Tomorrow,
0: yeah. Yeah, when you're not here. Is exactly. that okay? Verse 19, let's read on. It says this I will put in the desert the cedar, the acacia, the myrtle, and the olive. And I will set junipers in the waste and the fir and the cypress together. Guys, I don't know what that means. I know that you who grow flowers and trees, and there's many of you in this room, you would know what that means. I don't. But this I can tell you. Those trees, shrubs, bushes don't all belong in the the desert, and also they don't all belong together. So look around. Please do this. Look around. You don't all belong together. Another little elephant we've walked out the room. Let me be honest with you. As a leader of NCMI, there's a... Carefully now, conservatively speaking, 90% of the guys on my team, not natural that we hang out. It's not. In actual fact, I tell you, majority of them I wouldn't, I don't want to hang out with, but by the grace of God. No, I'm serious. I'm not being, I'm being honest. We gotta stop this nonsense. Look around and say, it's not natural to be sitting here on a Sunday morning with a whole bunch of people that look different, act different, different ages, different cultures, different growth. It's not natural. So yeah, let's acknowledge that. And the moment we begin to think it natural, we begin to split the church, divide the church, see all the issues because we forgot. This is not a good leader that put this together. This is the divine hand of God who takes shrubs and bushes and he smelly bushes, some of them. Some of them are prickly bushes. Thorn bushes. That's what one of them are. Put your hand up if you're a thorn bush. If you don't know, we can tell you who you are. This is not mocking. It's fact. One right here. No, 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 just here. No, I'm just joking, man. It's my friend. He's visiting from Terrace. I can say that. But, but, but seriously, friends, I'm not mocking on this. It's a divine hand, work of God. Look around. This is this is the divine hand of God. And when the church, and I've seen this globally, the church begins to lose the divine hand of God's stuff. And begin to say, bad leadership, good leadership. This guy, I don't like him. I don't want to be here. I, oh, oh, hang on. There's a bit of shaking. Suddenly we're not going to be the blessing anymore. Because it's about we want rather than, what's it for you, God? Yeah. I, 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 I promise our next 20 years can look very different in this room. Some of you will get older, believe it, Botox, all you want. You're going to look older if if you're still here. More people coming in, more color, more culture. Are they welcome to this church because this church is here for them? Well, it's not up to the elders. It's up to every individual in the heart to say, Lord, I'm going to stop looking at the differences and begin to see, actually, it's for the divine hand of God. The cedar, the acacia, the myrtle, the olive. I don't know. That's sweet smelling. Who are you? We can tell you who you are. You probably don't even know who you are. But we need the smelly, sweet smellers and the thorn bushes. God puts it together. All need it. And he says, why? Here. So that people may see. Verse 19. People may see. Not so God sees. People may see and know and consider and understand what? What? It's the hand of the Lord that has done this. Not some great strategy. Not some team put this together. Not NCMI. God. Don't lose the God factor, friend. 20 years, I sat here and watched the videos from last night, and I was just wild by what God has done. And I looked, and some of those people I remember have gone and come and gone. I saw my dad looking so young, I thought, gee, he's now 77. What happened? Time went on. But God handpicked and put people, different gifts, play, and He throws us together. Not so we can be 20 years later, go, look how awesome we are. Say, what an incredible God who put an incredible group of people together and continues to do that for the display of God's splendor. So here's some priorities give yourselves to. The most important, I believe, of all is this. And I'm sure you knew this was coming. Give yourselves to, number one, pursuing Jesus Christ. You know, friends, the more I look, look through Scripture, I realize this. Missions is not really about going somewhere. It's more about following someone. And some of us in this room, I'm sure, have this desire to follow God. And so what we do is we handpick certain scriptures because we randomly pick a roadmap. Do you know the will of God is not some randomly picking a roadmap? It's actually a relationship. When you walk with Christ, He reveals to you through His Word where we're called to go and what we're called to do. I, I love that song we just sang, uh, that Behold... I've got something about that behold right now. And if you just go read in John chapter 1, it just blew my mind. I've never seen this before. I'm guilty. Sorry, you might have. But in John chapter 1, this amazing story of John, and he's describing, behold, the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. And he begins to describe this revelation he had and what happened when he baptized the Holy Spirit. And then you know what he goes on and he says this. It blows my mind. In John chapter 1, verse 37, I think it says, The next day, John, the next day, John's hanging out with his two disciples. His disciples, not Jesus, his. And it says that Jesus walks by him again. And this is what he said, behold the lamb. And when they, this is what it says, when his disciples heard his testimony of Christ, they left John to follow Jesus. You see, I've always longed and I still continue to wish and long for more people to see what we could see. And if only people could see Christ like we see him, then I believe they would live for him. But I read that and I'm challenged to say, no, no, that's not what happened. They didn't see what John saw. They heard what John saw and they followed Jesus. There's a testimony God wants of this church that is people, your testimony. And you can't buy this and borrow it and hear it from Mike or me. It's going to be a contending every single day as individuals for our own personal revelation of Christ. And friends, let me just say that I know that people get hurt in the church. And I've hurt some people, unfortunately. And let me tell you, I've been hurt by the church. But the people who fall away from Christ because they got hurt in the church, it's their fault. Why? Because they had faith in something, or someone, or some leader, or some church, rather than this, their faith in Christ. You can't blame others for your walk with Jesus. You can't. I can't even help you on your journey. Why? Because Paul understood this in Philippians chapter 3, one of the key texts in verse 10. He said this, I want to know Christ. I, it's personal. and My eye can't be your eye. It can't. My eye can't be my kid's eye. My eye can't be my wife's eye. My eye can't be my team's eye. Their eye has to be their eye, and my eye is my eye. And I have an eye doctor in this house, so I'm not talking about that eye. That's important too. But am I making sense? So we sit here and say, I'm depending on Mike and the elders. No, no. Your eye, friend, you need to contend for your revelation of Christ, not on a Sunday, every single day. That, 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 That... That is the lifeline of this church. You have no future without Christ being the central theme, focus, and mandate. And if you don't want to be religious, then you better contend for your walk. Because when the moment your relationship with Jesus becomes anything other than a walk with Jesus, you are religious. And you're bringing death to this region rather than life. And this region is so religious, it needs some life. A personal walk with Jesus Christ. You there? Quiet Canadians, you can be loud. Pursue Jesus. You know, here's my take. Knowing Christ, please hear this, this is not some cliche. I believe this. Knowing Christ is our greatest joy as individuals. Knowing Jesus is your greatest joy. That's it. Following Christ is our greatest pursuit. Not ministry, not stuff, not gifts, not mandate, not nations. Christ. Following Christ is your greatest (laughs) pursuit. My greatest pursuit. I can honestly say that. And glorifying Christ is our greatest goal. John said, behold, the Lamb. His disciples heard him say something about Jesus that they never saw, but because of his testimony of who Christ was, they left John to follow Jesus. I want people to leave me to follow Christ. And hopefully I'm following Christ too. Some people say, oh, John, you know, Paul. Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. You know why he said that? Because he was imitating Christ. I beg to say that perhaps some are following a man thinking that man's following Christ, but actually that man's following the next podcast, the next vision, the revelation, rather than following Jesus. I think we're safer to say, leave me, follow Christ. Let's follow Christ together. You know what? Friends, I I, I mean this in my heart. God spoke to me and said that if you're faithful with my son, I can give you the nations of the world. I can trust you with the nations of the world if I can trust you with the revelation of my son. I'm contending for this. This church needs to contend for this. Not through the elders. Every individual in this room. Come what may. Revelation of Christ. I want to know Christ. That word know is not just an intellectual word, frame. I'm I can't stay here. I've got to get to something else. But just let me land with this, with this point and I've got a plane to catch, so relax. Paul didn't say, I think on Jesus when I'm having a bad can I step on some men's toes for a minute, men? Man to man? That word, no, is a, not an intellectual word. That word no in the Greek is gnoskos, which means what? Intimate, experiential person. Paul said, I want intimacy with I want to experience Christ. And it's a pr- personal walk that I have with Him. In actual fact, the Old Testament speaks of that word, the same word, the Hebrew word from the same word of Egonoskos, is the word Yadda. And in Genesis 4 verse 1, uh, Moses writes and he says that Abraham, uh, Adam had yada with Eve. And she conceived and had a child called Cain. Do you understand yada? Do I have to explain it to you, Canadians? <laughs> I don't want to, but if I need to, they got together and no baby, and then they have a baby. I'm not being rude. That's the same way. That's the desire Paul had for knowing Christ. Not to think of this great King one day. Oh, when I'm come to church, I'm reminded of him. We got to contend daily, because what the world sees is what we make much of. Behold. The Lamb. You can't stay where you get in. That's the dear amount of people, when you ask them, tell me about your testimony. Well, 1970, 1972, on this day, I got saved. I got And now, sir? Now, well, that's my testimony. What about 45 years later? No, 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 but that's the day I got saved. Brilliant. Well done. Where are you today? Imagine my marriage based on the event. Let me just say before you get married, some of you think about getting married, it's not the wedding day. That's an event, important event, but the whole wedding is now, marriage is a journey. It's the entrance point, now you've got the whole reality of what you just said yes to. And we're so focused around the day, it's going to be so perfect. No, 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 after that it's going to have to get perfect, because my goodness, that is the entrance point. Ladies, the whole journey. Can you imagine me and my wife, 18 years later, going and say, Hey, babe, she, whenever we talk about our marriage, can you imagine me pulling out the, marriage, the wedding photo and say, Oh, you looked so beautiful then, and so young, and so... Friends, you know what? That's not a marriage. She wants to know, where am I today with her? What about when it comes to Christ? Let me ask you, where are you today, sir? Not, where did you get in? Well done. Paul didn't stay where he got in. He wanted to keep growing. How are we doing with Christ? You say this is wasting your time. No, this is giving your life to someone that matters forever. And these songs we sing should stir us to wannabe, but then we've got to go and live this stuff for the people out there and for your own life. Secondly, sorry I took long on Jesus, but whoa. Secondly, Stay proactive in the Great Commission. If I can be honest with you, I've watched churches. The longer they're in this, the longer they've been established, the more they begin to relax and relax and hold back on the Great Commission. Because now we've got people, we've got stuff, we've got, we're going to just do the church thing. Don't do the church thing. Do the kingdom thing. And the kingdom thing is being proactive. Not having it on your billboard or having it on your website, King and Kingdom Nations. No, no. In your heart, friend. This church has been a call to reach the nations, neighborhoods and nations. And this notion of, I'm going to reach, can I get in trouble again? Step on another toe quick. Guys have said to me, you know, we don't have to go to the nations. The nations have come to us. Isn't that brilliant and dandy? Wow. So you get to lay in your bed, hang home, and just witness now and then. No, friend, do you imagine Jesus saying, hey, don't worry. I know you don't want to go to the nations. I'm going to just bring them to you. Really? Do you know that not every nation out there that's yet to hear the gospel will ever move to B.C. Canada? They can't get in here, even with your wonderfully open-handed prime minister. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, Mike, I had to say that. I mean, you're blaming us. I, no, I'm just, sorry. <laughs> I'm not being political. I'm just saying, if you think they're all coming here, they're not. Why? Because he didn't say, let them come. He said, go to them. I'm trying. I'm trying. It's not my thing, and i this been in my bonnet that I want to get everyone to go to the world. I'm just telling you, biblically, this church has a mandate from God, and you better stay true to it if you're seriously going to have another 20 years of effectiveness. The Great Commission is not an optional extra for deluxe Christians. For those who have money, because we've established you will never have enough money to go to the nation. For a church that's strong enough to be nation-focused. you called to be nation-focused. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes, Acts 1a. And be witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, out parts of the earth. Oh, well just let me get my church right, then I'll get my city right, then I'll do the regional thing. And by the way, then we'll do the nations. Never do the nations. Why? Because you never get your city or church right. It's not what Jesus said. In actual faith, the book of Acts, he began to say, you're doing the city thing so good, I'm going to have to bring some persecution to get you out, because you're neglecting the mandate I gave you. In the Bible, not my ideas. This I've learned from Scripture if we don't sow seed, God will scatter us. I don't want to be scattered, I'd rather be sown. But God, heaven won't rest till this gospel goes global. Global includes the nations we don't like, the religions that hate us. That's global. That's Ocean Size' mandate under God. And your region around you, this island, these people, and there's some broken people in Nanaimo. My goodness, it's one of the most broken people out I've ever seen. And it's not an accusation. That means God put you here to reach them in this season. You okay? Next point, we need His presence and His power. Nothing new. Presence and power is not an optional extra, as I said earlier. This is also not for deluxe Christians. And there's that text that I think challenges me, and I hope you. 2 Corinthians 3.17, now the Lord is the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. How many know that text? Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Do you know that? The Spirit of the Lord is everywhere, according to the Bible. But freedom's not everywhere. Is it? Can I be bold enough to say that freedom's not fully in this room, and we are most believers here. Why is that? The Spirit's here, according to Scripture. We don't need the Holy Spirit to come again. He is here. The Spirit is everywhere, but freedom's not everywhere. Why? Because I believe the context of this is now the Lord is the Spirit. And when the Spirit is yielded to as Lord, that's where freedom comes. So what I'd like to just suggest is that the the Holy Spirit is not a blessing from God. So we need to stop preaching Him as a blessing from God, because a blessing would mean we get to choose whether we want this blessing or not. The Holy Spirit is not a blessing from God. He is God. And when we yield to Him, we begin to walk in freedom. And when we walk in freedom, guess what? We give them what we got, not what we wish we had. There's some yielding to the Spirit that is needed in this room for the next season that God has. And it's not a moment, and it's not a meeting. And it's not we come to this meeting and feel good, and we shake, rattle, and roll, and all the good stuff, and then we go unchanged. No, no, friends, we need a fellowship with the Holy Spirit, and anointing. The Holy Spirit's enabling to reach this city with life, bringing Christ back to His centrality, and the place where He's seated today. You know the early church didn't have big budgets. They didn't even have political approval like we think they did. They got beaten up for what they did, imprisoned for preaching Christ. Church has gone into the survival mode in our nation and yeah, I think around Western culture because we're not allowed to say anything anymore. These guys were never allowed to say anything. They never had the backing of Caesar. Hey, yeah, go for it. Go big. Preach. Preach it. I'll put you in prison. I'll kill you. I'll burn you at the stake. And so... Burn me at the stake. We think we've got a bad early church, I think, had it really bad. But you know why they did so well? I believe. Because they didn't have big budgets. They didn't have seminary degrees. If you have one, that's great. But that didn't qualify unschooled, ordinary men. They didn't even have pure member membership. Just read some of what happened there. If only I had the, if only I had the people the book of Acts had in my church. Man, we could do really They had some pretty bad eggs in there too. What they had was power. Well, we have, we have the same power. You as individuals, not the preacher, not Mike, not the elders, not this team. Every individual in this room has the power of the Holy Spirit. And We don't need Him to come again. We simply need to acknowledge His power and make room for Him to... Take power. And can I say, we fellowship with him as we go. And that's how we bring, you know, healing, miracles. Who believes in him miracles? If you don't, you don't believe the Bible. I'm sorry. I just have to rush. That's why I'm being so like, point form. But, but this notion that we walk around praying for the sick, I don't see that. I see we walk with the Holy Spirit who reveals, pray for this man. It's actually a partnership with the Holy Spirit in praying for sick people. And I think we'll see far more sick people being healed when we're actually being led by the Spirit. Yeah. Rather than we just lay hands on sick people and pull them out of wheelchairs and they fall to the floor. And okay, we can believe for that, but I think if we partner, we'll actually hear the heart of the Father. And that's what happened in Acts chapter 3, praying for those sick. Peter and John. I believe they looked and they had this. this that, yeah, anyway. So, are, are you there, friends? Yeah. Don't have to agree with me, but if you. We'd like to see more people healed, and say, "Why don't we partner more with Him?" Because yeah. everywhere you look, there's sick people. Mm-hmm. Next point is a crash land, and then we're going to pray for you. ways. Let me just remind you that this is a priesthood in action church. This is. I was asked by one of my elders when I planted, after about four years of planting a church, a really well-scholared elder, theologi- theologically sound, good to have them around. And he said to me, Tyron, can we have a coffee? So, and one of my elders, said, sure, let's go. So he said, you know, every time you talk about this church, you talk about it as a church plant. We have been going four years now, that was then, when will you no longer call it a church plant? So I said, look, Russ, Russ, I'll tell you who he was, Russ, now that he knows. It wasn't your Russ, it was Russ Doty, American, gray-haired seasoned campaigner, good man. I said, you know, Russ, I know theologically, in my opinion, I'm not fighting you on this. I said, I know theologically that when a church has deacons, elders, and saints, and sinners, and I hope that deacons and elders are not the sinners, then I think theologically, that in my opinion, Philippians 1, Right to the deacons, the elders, say, I think that would constitute a church. But I said, but we had that from like six months of planting a church. We had deacons, elders, and saints, and sinners, of which some of the other elders were the sinners. But I said, we had that from day one, oh, after six months. I said, for me, it's a feeling. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, when the leaders are not doing everything, and the people are carrying their God given responsibility, not to set chairs up and take. That, that, that. We all should do that, including the leaders. I'm talking about spiritually. When priests are priesting, the leaders are not doing everything, that's when I think a church is no longer a church plant. And guys, let me say that. You celebrating 20 years, this could still be a church plant in the way it operates. Mm. <coughs> Paul, Paul got up here last night and read about the. Growing up, now you are 20, in your 20s. I loved what he did this yesterday. Just explaining how you've now grown from teenagehood to adults. But do you know that adults don't always act like adults? 20-year-olds can act, forgive me if you're 20, but you can still act like a 6-year-old. Right? Hello? 45-year-olds, guilty. We could act like 6-year-olds. 80-year-olds, hello? In the 80s? Okay, I won't talk to you then, but... I'm not trying to be funny. Guys, here's what I want to say. There could be churches that are 30-year-olds, 30 years in planting, are still operating like a church plant. This church could still be operating. 20 years later, celebration, like a church plant. Somewhere it's got to move from leaders do it all to actually... People take God-given responsibility, not to serve the elders, to serve the vision and serve Christ by getting on with the job together. Because let me prophesy of this church, God will never allow this church to fulfill its full God-given mandate through the leadership of this church. Even if you want it, they want it, he doesn't want it and he won't do it. It goes against the very grain of his heart and intention for the local church. The next 20 years requires all hands on deck, not to set up and tear down, and I understand the need for that, and coffee, by all means, we need good coffee, and it's not Tim Hortons, just so you know, but, sorry, I'm just, that's the sacred cow, I just hit it. (laughs) I was looking for what it is this morning, and there it is. But, but. We need all that. And I'm not undermining that stuff. That's needed because that's our gathering. What are we doing out there? Being the church, impacting them. We need not leaders doing this. All people say, God, put me in this church, whether it was 20 years ago or today's my first day, and God, you're calling me into this church. So from today, I'm going to take my God-given responsibility with my God-given gift to help this church function and be all God called it to be, so when and if God moves me on, I can say I served the purpose of God in that church for God, and that church is better off because I was attending and participating and the region's better because I was in that re- church. How many can honestly say that? If you can't, you can fix it right here, right now. But only you can fix it. This man we're going to bring onto this team. And I want to say this, if I can. I think last time I was the ordained elder. It's like it's a good thing, eldering, ordaining. But you know, this. God doesn't bring leaders on for what He's done. If you look through Scripture, it's always for what He wants to do. So, 20 years, praise God. This is a young man. I think you need younger guys than this, but he's young. He's single. That might blow your theology. It's brilliant. You don't have to be married to be an elder. I think God's going to bring some more young. And can I suggest... Older, seasoned campaigners. Because it's not our age. It's the call and the understanding of the timing. But here's what I want to say about leadership, if I can. Just as we pray for, for, for Wes. You ever been to a circus? You might feel like you were at one right now. But, but I want to tell you what I like. I don't, I don't enjoy circuses at all. Sorry, they're a big ripple. But I tell you what I do like at a circus is the trapeze artists. And if you know that we stand there and we watch these dudes do these radical things and they do these flying and double somersaults and catching, and and we're all like, wow, looking up. You know what they're looking at? They're not looking at each other or even down. They're looking at this net below. And the stronger that net is, the safety net, the stronger that net is, the more they can fly and risk and do some radical tricks. And I think it's a great picture of godly biblical leadership. And I think we've reversed the role in our great celebrity-driven nations in the West. And what we do is we want all the leaders to do all the tricks, and everyone's saying, wow, they awesome, wow, they're awesome. No, no, God wants to reverse some of that in actual fact. And He's awesome, Christ is awesome, we've settled that. But around that, we're seeing the priesthood being operated and doing that which God's called it. And what we have is a leadership who is strong enough, governing enough, who's strong enough in the call of God to catch us if we fall. Not to drop us. Not to make us feel like idiots. We need some strong leadership in this next season. And it's not control. Because godly leadership is not control. It's actually influence. Canadians, you need strong leadership in this nation. You need strong leadership in the church. And you need to be strong leaders in God. Because people are looking for leadership in this season. And we need people who are able to catch and soar, and do the radical stuff God's called us to do this next Some of you are squirming and a little uncomfortable, and I get that, because you perhaps have experienced abuse, but because of the abuse you've experienced, does not negate the need for strong, godly, governing people who can lead us into that which God has for us. I think Aussies are a little like you, and I'm an Aussie too. I was just in an Australia and I had to challenge the Australians. I said, You know, Aussies, mateship is so important with Australians. This is my mate. Don't mess with my mate. You mess with my mate, you mess with me. But leadership will take it down. We need mateship and leadership. And that's why I believe God's bringing more. And more people in and more and more people through in this season for this church. Not so Mike and Debs can look good. It's not even them. It's God and you and you. And I believe the stronger your team can be, not strong in you or strong in their leadership, strong in Christ and the safety net of Christ alone is the safety net. But around that we have leaders who will catch us, help us, fly high so we can point people to Jesus. That's the season you guys are in. Wes, would you come out here, please? Come out here, Wes. I hope you know who this man is, because if you don't, we have a problem. Good. Stand up, bro. amazing. My man. This is a good man. As I said, I, I this is a good man. I have to say that because his parents are here too. So <coughs> but um, I believe that the church knows about this and has agreed with this. The elders have. We certainly feel good about it. And so we're going to bring him onto the eldership here this morning. He's going to be joining this team. So I'm going to ask the rest of the team if they wouldn't mind coming up, elders and their wives. And I'm also going to invite um, Mike and, and Edwina. They are his parents. Come on, let's, let's welcome them. Come on. And, uh, and these guys actually lead or part of a leadership team, planted a church in Ajax in Toronto, and they've come up for this. And so that's why we want to They're pastors. Not only are they his parents, they're pastors, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's really cool to have them here. Isn't it good to have them here coming from Wonderful, the East Coast? Yeah. So cool to have you guys here. So, so I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just ask you some, some serious questions, bro. <laughs> I told him he can pull out of this until I lay hands on him. It's like a marriage, just so you know. Until you actually say it. My mother kept telling me that, and my wife's awesome, but she's like, "Tone, like, you can say no until you say yes. Once you've said yes, you can't say no." I I said to him this morning, "You can say no, but now you have to say no." no, no. (laughs) But this is—I'm kidding. Sorry, I'm just trying to make light of a very serious subject. But i am got to say this, that I believe that eldership is an incredibly high and holy calling. And with it comes incredible, incredible rewards, but there also comes a huge responsibility. I believe God calls elders. I don't believe we pick them, God calls them. And we recognize. And again, it's not to elevate elders. It's to understand this is a big deal. God's very particular about who He chooses to lead His people. But we also want to work with heaven. We believe that in doing this, we're recognizing what heaven really wants and what God has put in this man and in the raising of this family. And this is a, a new day and it's a recognition of what's already happening. He's not going to now start as God's already recognized. We've seen it and now we just acknowledge it. I believe that's what this is about. Can I say, for instance, not to sit here and hanker for this for yourselves, but some of you other guys in this room, it's not a carrot dangle, say try this and you could do this. But many of you in this room, I believe, are called to this position in Christ. Mm-hmm. And don't give up and quit. Stay the course. Serve God, not man. Mm-hmm. Don't look for man to see me. When are you going to pick me? God, I want to serve you in your journey, your way, whatever you do. But God will not overlook people. God's called. He will make sure. You get seen. So let this be another uh, prophetic picture of more young and old, please. I believe that it's exciting, but it's frightening to be an elder. I believe it's to see people loved and cared for. Potential being fulfilled, but knowing that too much has been given. And this is given much. Much is required. I believe it involves the local church. And it's responsibilities and possibilities. I believe your task, and I just want to keep saying it, and I know that every time I ordain I say this, I believe your task as an elder with these elders is threefold mostly. Number one is to guard the gospel of the kingdom. The best way to guard this church is to guard the gospel of the kingdom. And I mean that by saying this. How do you guard the gospel? Please Him, not them. Please him, not them. Guarding the gospel of the kingdom. Pleasing God. The message of Christ. We've got to contend. Part of the eldership here is contending. This message stays true to Jesus Christ. You don't serve man, you serve Christ. You've got to fight for that, because I reckon there's so much in our culture, and even in the church called, diminishing that. And your role, our role as elders, your role is to make sure we're contending for the, ma- the message of Christ, for the mandate of the nations. You can't become so focused on the local church you forget about the global nation or the global call and so that's part of guarding the gospel i believe it's the ministry and presence of the holy spirit you can't none of us can succeed in something we secretly despise you can't claim to guard the gospel when it comes to the ministry of the holy spirit if you're not walking with the Holy Spirit in your own life when no one's watching. And that's why I believe we've got to contend. I don't know what your take is on the Holy Spirit, but you better believe we've got to contend for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Even if some people don't like it, it's not about the people. It's about God having His church. And our mission, all done in the King context of a king and a kingdom. This is not the king, not the king. One king, one kingdom. Yeah? Wonderful. Second is to Guide. Guide. Shepherd God's people. And I just want to read a few verses. In 1 Peter chapter 5, in verse 1 to 4, it says this. It says, To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder. I love hearing from fellow elders, not some experts, not someone who wrote a book, someone who's doing it, and an elder writing to fellow elders. And he says this. And a witness of Christ's suffering who will also be shared, who will share in the glory to be revealed. Verse 2, he says, Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. I mean, the interplay of words, friends. It's, so, it's sobering for me to read this. It's sobering for them to hear this. And you should rejoice if they can live this. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. His flock under your care. Scary. Watching over them, not because you must. I mean, now this isn't a command, suddenly. But because you're willing. As God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Do you see that? It's not, I'm coming on so the church can serve me. Be eager to serve God's people. Verse 3, not lording it over those entrusted to you. Don't lord stuff over those entrusted to you. These are entrusted to you as a team. Would you trust you with these? I wouldn't, but he in his wisdom says, um, just let that sink in our hearts again. And then he says, but being examples to the flock. In other words, don't do what I say, do as I do. And then it says this, for me, the saneness of it all, verse 4, and when the chief shepherd appears, and he's coming back, he says, then you'll, you'll receive your crown. It'll never fade away. I believe that's saying this. If we're serving here on earth to be recognized here on earth, we're in the wrong call. Because if we live for what people want, and if we live for this, we're going to get hurt every single day. Because yeah. these wonderful people, sheep, just being honest, sheep bite. I know shepherds beat, but sheep bite. And I'm not trying to be funny here. I'm saying this. If you get hurt by all the people that leave, come, and go... And you're going to one day say, I can't do this anymore. But if you can say, I'm actually not doing this. I don't even have to tell people what I'm doing. He knows. And when he returns, forever my reward will be with him. So do it for there, not here. And thirdly, lastly, we're called to govern, to lead, to lead the mission together. So it's not a wannabe elder. You're not a mini elder. You're not a stepping stone to become. You lead this mission with this team. That's what leadership, eldership is all about. You're in this with them, not finding your feet, walking in it and leading. It involves the city eldership, honoring other churches in the city, other ministries in the city, not just Oceanside, all churches in the city. It also involves translocal, not an optional extra. It's working with translocal teams, apostolic prophetic teams across the nations in partnership. That's part of what you're doing here. To disciple the nations, but not losing the focus of the local church. So, Wes, let me ask you this. And again, by the grace of God, I understand. Do you believe? Now, we do, but do you? Do you believe that you have been called by God to be a part of this team who shepherd these people in this season?
2: You do. Good man. You are? Nice, lad.
0: Yes. <laughs> Shaking, that's a good thing. Will you serve them? Will you love them? Will you care for them? Would you admonish them? Would you correct, rebuke, and encourage them, all in the fear of the Lord? Yeah, I will. Will you seek to honor the other ministries in the town and elsewhere and promote and practice the unity of the Spirit of God? Uh, that God commands us in Ephesians chapter 4. Yeah. Yes, you will. Good. Well, that's good. He's passed. <laughs> he, he now has to live that, all right? So, if this is your local church, I want to ask you, please, if this is your home church, I know we have some visitors, but this is... If you're visiting and you feel this will be a home church, would you can stand too. But just stand with us quickly. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. Then I'm going to just hand over to a couple of the guys who might have some prophetic words here. But to you as a congregation, Oceanside. This is how you get to see who's really part of your church. That's why we do this. Take a picture. Yeah, I'm joking. Sorry, guys. We just have fun. Don't be so serious. It's okay. To you as a congregation, let me ask you this. And so again, by the grace of God, like he said. Will you support, would you pray for, would you do your best to obey these servants of God? There's even more of a challenge. Will you seek to lighten their load by joyfully responding to and by submitting to Him in the things of God? This is just too easy, Mike. Everyone's saying yes. All right, well, let's go home then. <laughs> now, what I would like to do is, if you wouldn't mind, stay standing. I know you might be tired, but we're almost done. I'm going to ask if there's anything you guys have for the, for him, sorry, them, and someone else will be there soon, I think. But, but if you have anything prophetic or you guys. And guys, can I just say this? Sorry, Mike. Right. I know I if any of you have something prophetic, anything you've got, just for time's sake, I can't, we can't get you all out to come share. But what you have to say, please hear my heart, is as important as what these guys have to say. If God gave it to you, we need to hear about it. So what I'm asking you to do is, if you want to be faithful about what God said, write it down and put your name on it. If you don't put your name on it, please don't give it to Wes. Because it's unfair to hand him a scripture or a prophecy that you're not willing to identify who said it. Write down what you believe God's saying and put your name on it. And would you make sure you hand it to Wes before the end of the day or text it to him? Please put your name. And I'm asking you, Wes, if they don't give you a name, forgive me, I'm trying to protect these guys. Don't read it. Is that okay? Not legalism. We just got a... a man of... Email... Uh, yeah, okay. The amount of things I get from people who won't tell me who they are, not interest. It's just dangerous. Good or bad. Okay, so... But please make sure you write it down and let it get... Okay, go for it, please, Mike.
2: Great. It's an absolute privilege um, having you on this team, Wesley. And... Um, I'm very, very pleased that God's brought you here and joined you to us, and um, when I was thinking of you, it's just one, actually one verse, but I think, I really believe that this personifies where God is taking you. I've seen an incredible shift in the last year or so of your heart for God and your heart for His people. Um, Yeah, I've seen you weep often as you've spoken of the church and the things of God, and And I think this is the the scripture that God has for you. It's from Samuel chapter 2, verse 35, and it says, I will raise up for myself, this is God, a faithful priest who will do according to what is in my heart and what is in my mind. I really believe that. And I will firmly establish his house, and he will minister before my anointed one always. And I think that's going to be the mark of who you are. And it's out of that ministry's going to flow. And I think you hold on to that um, through your walk with God. When things are good and when things are not so good, God has raised you up for himself first and foremost to be a faithful priest before him. And he has a wonderful mom. She's got a work.
3: I hope I can keep it together, but bear with me. Um, and when I was praying with you for U.S, I felt God saying, showing me this part of scripture in Genesis chapter 26, where Isaac has encountered a famine, and he leaves, and he's planning to go to Egypt, and God gets a hold of him and says, "Just stay here." And he listens to God, and you've had many words spoken over you, and about this day, and you may not have answered, but you may not have answered for many reasons. And I almost feel like some of the wells that were dug in your life over the past, you may have plugged and blocked. But no worries, today you've said yes to God. And it's been your own decision, which is just amazing. But like Tyre said earlier, don't be a pleaser of men. Be a pleaser of God. When Isaac, when Abimelech saw Isaac's beautiful wife, he wanted to take her for himself. And Isaac lied. He did not want to get into the bad books of Abimelech. And he covered and he lied so that he would please Abimelech, and they would be safe. But when the truth was found out, Abimelech said, why have you done this, and let him go, and blessed him abundantly. And as Isaac moved on, he planted crops in that land, and that same year he reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. He became rich in his wealth, continued to grow, and he became very wealthy. He had so many flocks and herds and servants, that they envied him. And it goes on to say that some of the wells that his father had built, he unplugged them. And I want to say that as you said this, yes, to God, these things will follow you and God will use you. And it'll not just be a blessing to you. You will not be the only one who drinks out of these wells and has these herds and flocks, but they will feed many and many and many. And there would be fruitfulness.:
0: Wes, I just want you to know that you don't have to become like us. Um, before this yeah, Thank you, Jesus. I know we did the hair thing earlier, but um, before this morning, we were 14, but now we're 15. So this team is eternally different now. We don't become like you, you don't become like us. Together we become something new as we all move into Jesus. So we're grateful that you're here and that the team is different now.
4: Just West is a scripture that uh, has burned in your heart over the years about how God uses the church to display His manifold wisdom. And that yeah. word "manifold" is that polypoikalos word. And I still remember you preaching on that, just how it's that multi varied, multifaceted. Um, display of the splendor of God. And I just wanted to say that I feel like the Lord is saying today I'm going to illuminate you to be a display of my splendor to this community. To display the wisdom of God in beautiful color and array that's creative, that's different, that's unique, and that causes us and those around to wonder at God.
2: I just uh so... want your dad to give you a few words. Amazing father, amazing friend, you were born into the church. Ever since you were born, your parents have served God faithfully, and um, this is your heritage, and this is yours. And we just want to thank you for, personally thank you for what you've done in training these young men. You know, some of us wander for a while, but we always come home when we train properly. And I just want to commend you too for, thank you for releasing them to us. And yeah, it's there.
4: I also want to thank Mike and Deb um, for when Wes was in a difficult place in his life a number of years ago. We called them, we were relationally connected with them. And I just said, you know, Mike and Deb, would you you know, Wes needs to kind of get away from us. He worked with us in the business. He he was with us in the church. He lived in our home. I mean, there's just a lot of the same going on there. And he was getting older, and we felt like he needed to, you know, he, we both all felt that we needed to move on. And uh, I remember going out for coffee with him and and uh, just saying, would you consider going to BC if I call Mike? And, um... And he said yeah I would I would consider that. So I called Mike and I said Mike would you would you just kind of open a door for Wes and um and he did, you know. And they put a the um oh dear. <laughs> and they put a trailer on their property so Wes could be independent but still that safety net you talked about was there for him and um and he kind of lived there, and, and uh, <clears throat> the. Anyway, I better stop because it's going it's to get worse from here. Uh, but I just say that uh, my drive across Canada with Wes um, was incredible, um, but painful. Because I knew I was gonna fly back alone. But um he's uh he's an amazing guy. And um I actually almost look at him and like, this guy cannot be my son. He's way too nice. <laughs> <clears throat> it's, it's like <laughs> I honestly can't take credit for it. I look at it and go, this has to be a, yeah, it's got to be Edwina as a star. But honestly, I look at it and I think if you take credit for the, the, I think if you take credit when your kids follow God, then you also take a beating when they don't. And um, I just want you to know I've got four boys. I equally love and value each one of them, and each one of them is on a different journey. And I want to encourage you as parents. Don't look on Wes as a poster child and your other children as if you could be like Wes, no. Believe God for your own kids' journey. And trust God that He's gonna come through with your kids' lives, and we're trusting for all of our kids that they will, you know, do what God's called them to do. And just a quick final thought was Isaiah nine six talks about the coming Messiah. Called he was called many things, but one thing he was called is the Prince of Peace. I did a bit of a study on that. and Prince, actually if you break it out, it says captain of wholeness. That's what it means. He's the captain of wholeness. That word peace is wholeness. And as Christ follows Wes, I'm going to encourage you and all of us, we get to take the captain of wholeness into broken lives every day, whether you're a leader or whether whether you're just a saint. You know, we're all just saints, right? We get to take the captain of wholeness Into broken lives and watch miracles happen. And this will help this church and this young man do that.
5: Yeah, Wes, Um this morning when I was thinking about you and praying for you, bro, I was thinking of Psalm 121. I got the privilege to meet your parents for the first time this weekend, which is an amazing privilege, guys. But I know, and we've just heard testimony of that, that they've watched over you since you were born, since the day you came into this world. Psalm 121, amazing scripture. It's that one which starts off, I lift up my eyes to the hills. But the last verse says this, it says, the Lord will watch over your coming and going from this day forward and forevermore. And I felt God wanted to put a promise in your life this, this morning. That is not a passive observation that he's talking about when he says, I'll watch over you. It's an active participation. And I felt like him saying to you, and there's something of, and hear, hear what I'm saying and don't take this. And I know you won't. But our God is a safe God, but he's a wild God. And you are a safe man, but you're a wild man. And I feel like God's giving this promise, but that watch is a very, very weighty word. It's one which has protection, but it also, I believe, is a sobering word because he's saying, I'm watching you to make sure that you stay the person that you are. And and there is incredible uh, sense of God's purpose for you on this team because of who you are. Safe, but wild. And I feel that's a promise of God, but it's also something that you need to keep intention going forward and saying, God, let me stay true to who you made me to be. Wonderful. Thank you, church.
2: I know it's a bit late. Can we go out with a song, He is Faithful? If you guys have got words, please, can you bring them? Yeah, but if the worship team can get up here in the meantime.
1: I believe, and I'm just going to paraphrase. Um, if we are faithful with the little things, God's going to give us so much more. And um, I feel God is saying to you, I dare you to risk, take risks. And you have done that in the past, that um, I dare you to take more risks. And um, as you are faithful with the little things, and just not just anything, but um, crying out to God and for the specific things he wants you to do, he will, he will just multiply that. And we've had such a testimony this week about how God has, has called us to let a specific amount on our hearts to give somewhere. And God has, <laughs> for somebody in the Philippines, and God has added two zeros through somebody else to that number. And we're not only talking about financial things you're talking about jobs or spiritual things, laying down your life for God, and the specific things that He called you to, and He will do great things.
2: No, 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 no. I don't
1: okay.
0: oh, you got that? stretch your hands out if you, out if you wouldn't mind. I'm just going to pray. Okay. Thank you, Lord. Guys, I just want to read the scripture. And then we're going to just lay hands and impart what we believe God wants to impart. 2 Timothy 4, 1-5, it says this, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, in view of His appearing in His kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke and encourage with great patience. And careful instruction. Patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up the sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they'll gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They'll turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, but you, keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. Love the church, but don't lose your heart for the lost. Don't get so consumed with the church, carrying the responsibility as a local leader, that you forget there's a world out there that's never experienced what we experience. Keep your head in all situations. Love, lead, and feed these wonderful people but with a heart of who's still to come. Mm-hmm. This is a great day. It's a celebration. Mm-hmm. So, Father, we thank you for this amazing, amazing truth and privilege. Mm-hmm. You call, you choose. We respond. Yes. We're not calling and we're not choosing. We're responding to what you've called and chosen. Yes. We thank you for where's. We thank you for the upbringing. We thank you for the stories. We thank you the journey is not over. It's just yes. the next step in it. We recognize this morning, this is you, we believe it's you, for your church and for your kingdom. Thank you for his response and obedience. Thank you for saying yes. But Lord, we thank you for choosing this man. And Today we just impart, we release over him and in him all that is needed. We believe that he already has what is needed and we're just stirring more of that in him we pray we thank you that you've called him we thank you you've graced him for this season we thank you you've given him the anointing the holy spirit's enabling to do this call to do this with integrity of heart and with skillful hands so father with that which he believes he lacks may you give it to him today that which he desires would you give him double portion this morning we pray that which you desire to do in him would you do it now we pray As we lay hands on him and commission this man into this call for this season. Would you fill him? Would you release him? Would you encourage him? And we believe that he will be different from this. That he will be able to do that which you've called him to. We bless you for him. Protect him. I pray your protection over his mind and his heart. Lord, I ask boldly, would you protect him from those who would come alongside and try and distract him? Would you prepare someone for him? Therefore, he doesn't have to be preparing that person for him, I pray. But he can be an example to the believers of how to walk this call out, even in this context where he's at right now, we pray. Give him grace. Lead and guide him. Bless him. Use him. Strengthen this team. And may this add to this team and strengthen them and encourage them to be bigger, to trust for more, and bless this church Thank you for 20 years of incredible fruit. But my goodness, Lord, the next 20, wow, what are you going to do in and through these wonderful people? We bless you. We bless you um, in this room, Wes. Be blessed. Be blessed and receive. As we commission you now to that which God calls you to. In Jesus' magnificent name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. 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 Thank, Thank you. you.
4: Thank you.